Hello, hello, and a third hello. Welcome to Don't Forget Your Towel. Listeners, today we have quite a treat for you. I've actually never played anything like this before, and it's something that I'm quite sincerely itching for more. Today's episode features Court of Blades, the tabletop role-playing game of courtly drama, power politics, magic, peril, and romance. And better yet, it's on Kickstarter. Just search up Court of Blades or look at our show notes for the links. I would sincerely recommend it to anyone who's interested in being a musketeer or a Stark or a Renaissance retainer of one of the most powerful families in the world. It goes without saying that I had so much fun playing this game with our guest today and I sincerely hope you all have fun listening to it. And finally, just a heads up and apologies from us, the recording conditions for this episode were not ideal. We did our best to clean it all up, but there are still some occasional minor artifacts in the audio. Anyways, without further ado, let's get on to the episode. The honor of our blade shall shine before the day is done. For the sake of our name, our houses shall not melt. We shall not have solace till the social hour is done. There are enemies in our Ilian. We must fight in the course of Today we're joined by some very lovely individuals. We are joined by Matthew, we're joined by Navi, and we're joined by Drake, here to showcase their wonderful game. Well, Matthew is with us in terms of, you know, new to this game and interested in seeing how things are going. So actually, because of that, I'm going to start with Matthew. Matthew, why don't you tell us who you are? Tell the listeners, who is Matthew? Uh, first, does this mean I'm going to get a credit in the game before we continue? <laughs> uh, but seriously... My name is Matthew Archer. I am a voice actor. I am a streamer on Twitch. I do variety streams. And you can hear me in such games such as Nanotale, Typing Chronicle, and I am the final boss, Matic. I will be playing the Magpie. And she uses she, her pronouns. I use he, him. I hope you're ready for quite the adventure. Oh, exciting. And where can we find you online, Matthew? Easily found on twitch.tv slash Matthew Archer, or you can also find me on Twitter, and that's Matthew Archer VA. That's awesome. And we're going to pass the beacon to our wonderful Drake and Navi. So I, I don't know how you want to introduce yourselves together. Okay, Navi, you go first. Yeah, you pointed at me, so I guess that's me. So I'm Navi. I am one of the authors of Court of Blades that we'll be playing tonight. We are so excited to share this game with you guys. It is um, going on Kickstarter right now. So that's my my big plug. It actually, as of uh, as of us recording, it'll be on Kickstarter tomorrow. But by the time you guys hear it, it'll already be on Kickstarter. So that's kind of cool. And I will be playing Callisto the Nightingale. I use she, her pronouns, as does the Nightingale. And I will be playing your Bravo. So I'm Drake. I'm the other half of a couple of Drake's publishing. Um, I'm Sean Drake, in case anybody's keeping score at home, but <laughs> I always go by Drake. Uh, I'm the other writer of Court of Blades, and I'm going to be our GM tonight. So while you're going to hear everybody else's voices, and they're going to have some lovely, lovely voices for you, I'm going to be playing the world, the obstacles, and everything that is standing in the way of our canny retainers tonight. So... That being said, uh, obviously Court of Blades is what I want to plug. You can find me on Twitter at Drake and Dice. And you can find me on Twitter at Navi Musing. And I am definitely musing on there. Um, I do a, a, a lot. I'm the junk food of the TTRPG world. So, you know, if you're like craving Cheetos, that's when you come and hang out with me on Twitter. And I'm the one who talks about mechanics and heavy stuff. So if you like fun, follow her. If you like to hear about um, weird new systems, follow me. And that leaves me, Azul, your host. And I will be playing little old Sparrow, Ada Salo, the youngest of the group and probably the most naive. She's the knack of our little old band. Okay then, Drake, I'll hand the um, reins to you. Take it away. 
So, I want to paint a beautiful word picture of a gorgeous, desperate, incredibly old and incredibly dangerous city. Ilrian is the greatest city in the world. It's nestled on a deep water harbor on the very western side of the principalities. What happened when your standard terrifying fantasy overlord kingdom, the Dread Empire, fell. Ilrian was the city that donned the mask and threw off the shackles of the old uh, Dread Emperor. We find ourselves in kind of a flyover shot of this gleaming white marble and glazed tile city on this beautiful crystal blue bay. We zoom over the docks, crowded bustling, longshoremen and seabirds calling in surly harmony together. And then down through the twist, a you know, city narrows where the avenues are dingy, dark and dangerous, up into the roses full of art and culture and further into the guilt where the high society, the families of the Esaltare keep court. It's here that we lay our scene. We zoom in on the Lavelle compound, the newest addition to the house of the Esaltare. Through the front gates, these arched marble gates with their wrought iron fences, flaking gold leaf. We haven't yet had a chance to turn this into a house that is worthy of us. We're making, we're making progress. Across the white marble way, up to the front doors, and into a small meeting room, where three very important players on our particular board here in Ilrian are keeping their counsel, looking at a black leather folio that has been passed down the prince of the house Lavelle, the Lavelle herself, herself, Cipriana. Here we find a sparrow, we find magpie, and we find the nightingale around a rosewood carved table. You're new to this. You haven't held power for long. You're still very much uh, the bottom of the pecking order in the house, but you have a certain set of skills that make you very dangerous to the enemies of the house Lavelle. The folio passed down in your direction has the flowing handwriting of a court chamberlain who has taken down directives from the Lavelle and passed them to you. It very simply says that now that we have arisen to this high place, it's time to put on a party. And it's going to happen on the night of Spirit's Eve, when the veil becomes weak and when all of the ghosts of the, of the past come to life and play among the city of Ilrian along with us. It'll be a dangerous night, but it is certainly a time when we might be able to show our true colors, but there are problems. Now, let me let me ask you a question. Let me paint this, let me have you guys paint the scene a little bit for me. Who here is superstitious? Who's the superstitious one in this particular coterie? Ooh, I don't, I don't think I will be particularly superstitious. <laughs> I'm always on the side of magic and science and that sort of thing. Um, I think I'll take that hill. I I love playing a superstitious character, so I, I can imagine the Nightingale is very superstitious. Okay, Nightingale, you're our Bravo, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to know what a, uh, a Bravo tradition on Spirit's Eve is. Is there something in particular that uh, is particularly bad luck for anybody? One of these dashing sworn swords in, in Ilrian? What is like the taboo for Bravos in Ilrian on Spirit's Eve? On Spirits Eve, Bravos know that they have to be extra careful about where they are on account of anyone they've defeated in a duel may come back to bother them tonight. So depending on how successful a Bravo is in their dueling career, they may have a very long line of ghosts at their door. Right. <laughs> Interesting. And how long has Vincenzo been dead? Um, oh no, you didn't! Okay, um... Vin That's your rival, right? It's my rival, and I guess now he's dead. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's been dead for six months. It's new. It's okay. a new death. Ooh. It's a new death. Just making sure. So, um, that being said, uh, can you just tell me a little bit about, like, what Kalisto looks like in this moment? Like, when we, when we see the camera sweep over her, uh, what do we get to see? Callisto is very tall for for a, a woman. She's uh, perhaps just shy of six feet, but in her dancing shoes, she probably crests six feet. Um, long black hair, just kind of untamed, big curls. Um, very dashing with her her you know rapier at her side. Um, always looking 
her best in dress. So she'll have um, fine brocades, and she's a, a real peacock of a, of a Bravo. That makes sense. Okay, so we're we're getting we're getting this shot that kind of sweeps around and takes in uh, takes in Callisto looking down at this this folio. Who's next to her? Like, um, tell, tell me, is it is it the magpie or the sparrow who we get next in the shot? I would like to think it's me, just because. Uh... Of course, you're the dramatic one. (laughs) While I'm not superstitious, I, as the magpie, uh, I like to think myself as a traditionalist. Science and magics are useless, and why change from the ways of what were? Keep it as it is. The Dread Empire is gone. Hey, I'm still looking through as well. You may be tall, but I can I can reach up if if I if I look up enough, you know. <laughs> oh, Sparrow, you sweet, sweet summer child. Don't oh Sparrow me. This this happens way too much. You you know this happens way too much. We we had a conversation before about this, you know, right? Of course, but Magpie. Oh, don't pick on her. <laughs> You call yourself Sparrow, but I I could never. However, it's so difficult to call her Sparrow when she's so much more than a little dove. She needs guidance. Well, no. And I kind of look away, arms crossed. I think at this point, um, Nightingale, she's, she has the ledger in her hands, and as the, the fight becomes more and more intense, the ledger keeps creeping up higher until her face is covered by the ledger. <laughs> and she's, she's not taking sides, and she's actually hiding from, from the two of them bickering, as though this is so commonplace that she just uh, wants them to not even notice that she's there, so she doesn't get dragged into it. I think I see that and start jumping up, trying to reach it and say, Callisto, no! I, I, I need, I want to see it too! Callisto! <laughs> oh, Roro. <laughs> so Magpie herself tends to give nicknames as to keep a, a level of aliases. So her calling herself Magpie or Maggie, Sparrow or Roro, <laughs> and Gale for Nightingale, which is usually said through gritted teeth. <laughs> So you're having this conversation. It's it's um, it's is this is this typical? Would you say this is probably a, a an ongoing you know sort of um, friction between you all, uh, as far as you know having differences of opinion, maybe in the way that we conduct ourselves uh, along errands, things that we have to do for the house. No friction. Magpie's just being mean. Well, what's today? Monday. <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> So I think that as we're, we're leafing through this folio, the friction points have kind of been laid out as far as um, what's going to stand in our way uh, hosting this, this ball. Um, all the quality have to be there. Otherwise, it's not much of a party. It's not your glorious entrance. It's more of throwing yourselves a bash and everybody else looking at you kind of sadly because nobody wants to show up. Now, House Bastien have been have been allies of yours in the past. They're, they're ones that kind of put a hand down and helped you up into the Usultare. House Elmari, however, is not having any bit of it. House Corvetto has already sent along their, uh, their excuses as to how they cannot attend. <laughs> but they have to attend. They're your closest competitors on the, on the stage of Ilrian, and the Lavelle will be most sorely disappointed if they don't show up. I want to know who it is that comes in and lets you know that the Corvetto have already sent a messenger um, giving their they're declining in the gentlest way possible. It's it's very civil for the Corvetto. The majestic tyrants typically don't even send word, but they've at least sent a courier saying not just no, but hell no. I feel like it it needs to be very insulting, so maybe it's not even one of their regular messengers, rather kind of like the lowest of the low in terms of the messenger hierarchy. Well, I do have friends that are, uh, shall we say, courtesans. They sent a courtesan to, to send along their regrets? <laughs> they wanted the lowest of the low, so easy hire. This isn't even one of the one of the senoras of the roses. This is just somebody that they picked out of the twist and said, here, take this letter. Whatever you need to make money in the twist. Oh. It's not the twist if you're not turning tricks. Yeah, not even they themselves are aware of what this is about. They're just there, so no context, nothing. That's brutal. Yeah, um, I think when it came, like it, uh, 
it caused a stir and that's why you were all kind of called down to the um to this little conference room which is comfortable not quite opulent as as most of the uh the, the furniture and, and fittings of the house should be but it's got the sort of spartan elegance that you would expect of a place where business is handled somebody um just real quick i want to i want to paint the scene here Give me a give me an object and an article in this room that looks like it was left behind by the previous owners of the house and has been just sort of dusted off and repurposed. <laughs> I was going to say like a um, a family member that kind of like Boy. lends this air of reputation. Like it's it's like a actually it's like a painting, right? So a big beautiful painting, but it's not a part of the Lavelle's family. But they just kind of keep it there because uh, it. <laughs> Like it's an old painting. It's part of the history of the city. It makes them look like they have more history than they actually have within the city, um, but it's totally not in any relationship. I thought you completely like meant actual... like it's just <laughs> yes, yeah, a picture of like, a yeah. random man. That's what it's I just like well. that's Uncle Bob. He came with I the was house. Very confused. Just like a random man standing <laughs> in the corner. He's not moved at all. This is Tombs. He came with the house. <laughs> but no, I, I love the idea of there being a being a portrait on the wall. This uh, this kind of stern and patrician, probably Piero de Castaño, somebody who Ooh. lived in the house before the house Castaño fell. And he looks down at you, this sort of patrician nose, and uh, almost as if he's judging these uh, these three retainers who have shown up in his house and are now getting down to the business of the day. Now, I put this put this uh, this problem in front of you. The Corvetto will not attend. The Almari don't want to. What are you going to do about it? Well. It seems to me that the only real way to make them show up is with a challenge. Magic. Let's let's just throw magic at them. <laughs> that usually works. I, I, no, I, I'm partial to the, the challenge. Ooh, we can challenge them both, both houses. Well, of course you'd want to. You'll just think it's your idea. <laughs> well, it's our idea. You know, we we could we could do a challenge. We're good, right? And. Uh, <laughs> and I and and I look towards the two of them with questioning eyes. I'm sh- I'm sure it'll be fine. That doesn't really help bring in the whole inspiring confidence thing, you know. You know what? How about you, Magpie? We could, we could, right? We could, Magpie. We could. However, I. Well, I don't know if you are all familiar with the twist, but let's take this as a little bit of information from it. If you really want to send a challenge, you need to make sure they have something to lose. You need to make a real bet. What do we have to lose that they want? Ooh, okay. Um, I've got nothing. (laughs) So we're watching Sparrow here for a second that is just racking racking her brain and then just... Yeah, I'm sorry, nothing. (laughs) But I I think that... um, you, you all being newly risen to the House of the Esseltare, you know for a fact that your position here is, is tenuous. If you're going to levy a challenge, the biggest thing that you can bet right now is the reputation and status of your house. This might be a, a way for you to show them that you, know, you can easily be undercut, you're in a vulnerable position, and they would be drawn like vultures. Right. Not much else in this city is more important than a title. Oh, oh, you mean our titles? Our house's <laughs> titles? Go. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't I think of that? You, you did. I, um, the, mm, I don't know if the, never mind. <laughs> Let her have this. <laughs> I think I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just grinning in delight. What if we're not the ones who issue the challenge? What if we can provoke them into challenging each other and then we just offer a fair ground for them to deal with that particular fight? Oh, I like that. Who do we think has the uh, has the most finger on the pulse uh, among the coterie as far as what's going on in the city? What kind of bad blood might exist between these houses? My immediate thought is maybe it's the magpie. Does that, does that check? I would like to hope maybe I can uh, speak to a certain friend of mine and she might be able to get me some details. However, with us being cross in the past, I, I don't know if she'll answer to me. That's fair, that's fair. Okay. 
If you think that maybe you can leverage one of your contacts here, go ahead and go ahead and give me a name, and we might be able to set a scene here. Unless unless there's something else that you want to you want to take care of in the in the room here before you you set out and begin gathering information. Well, I have Alicia. She is a diplomat. She might be able to check the political climate and see how all the houses are with one another and see if one is in more dire straits than the other and yeah, tell me about alicia like when we when we see her on her yes yes okay when we see her on screen where do we think uh where do we think we find her what does she look like i imagine alicia rather than having uh a powdered wig herself she styles her hair in such a way and it's a uh, big blue ribbon that ties the ponytail together she does have this very formal jacket with the puffed collar and like the higher trousers she doesn't wear a skirt or anything like that she believes in only power and what she can provide and how she can fight against in this line of work it it tends to do better if you project strength yes I, i i can totally see alicia and i think that um that we find her in her office she's a She's a diplomat. She's got a office of her own in the guild. Now, she's a mediary, do you think, in this case? Uh, working between the houses to, you know, smooth over bad blood? Or is she like a, a true dyed-in-the-wool diplomat between nations? I would like to think that she might be a little bit bigger than just the coterie themselves. So maybe she works on larger scale. But... Um, One little story-building fact about her that I'd like to think is that uh, she actually writes these letters herself rather than sends it out on some errand boy to do it. She'll write it and uh, just so, so everyone knows it's her, she will put on lipstick and put a kiss on the letter so that you know this is from... Alicia. And that carries weight. Yeah, I, I love that. Correct. So she's she's in her office and her, her fingers are ink stained and she still has has, you know, the traces of lipstick on her on her on her mouth, on her lips, uh, from where she has just sealed one of these um, one of these investitures, right? And as she looks up is she a particular friend of yours, or is she just a contact? Uh, she's just a contact of mine. So she she looks up and she calls you Maggie. Back in the trenches. Very well. She she looks up and says, Maggie, I wasn't expecting you to cross my door. What is it I can do for you? Is there something with the Lavelle? Yes, and uh, with the other, with my two other compatriots, of course. And I I do want to let you know. If you knew anything about me, no one expects the magpie. I think, you know, she she's prone to dramatic gesture herself, so she just cocks an eyebrow <laughs> and nods. Of course. What is it I can do for you? So, word has it, and obviously uh, you might be able to tell me a little bit more about this, but it seems there are some issues amongst a few houses. Can you elaborate on a, a few of those for me? I think she clucks her tongue at you just, just once. You're not new here. There's always an issue between houses. You're going to have to be a little bit more explicit with me. Well, as you may know, the ball is upcoming, and there are a few houses that have outright declined. Some so have done in such ruthless ways. I mean, they they acted like it was going to only be dogs there, and we don't want that. We want to show them that this is high society. She immediately, like, deadpans you, and she's like, you mean the Corvetto? It has to be the Corvetto. Tell me it's the Corvetto. Every time. What is it I can help you with, though? I can't make them unsnub you. No, that's fine. We'll show them what we're worth. However... We need to know if there's a direct problem with them and perhaps another house, or if you might be able to think we can wager our titles, or what we might be able to bring them in. What type of bait do we need for these, uh, these Corvetto rats? I think she, uh, like her, her smile is just daggers. Like it's, it's hard, it's cold, and it's sharp. She, um, 
looks you up and down for just a moment. She says, your titles would certainly, certainly do, but if you're looking for scandal, if you're looking for the hottest of gossip, well, you should know that if you can get the Almari to show up, the Corvetto are honor bound to. They won't be upstaged by mercenary princes from across the waters. Do you still... Actually, let, let's consider this. I'll owe you a favor if you can get me one of your uh, Alicia specials. You know, the red lipstick on the letter. Do you think you can write something up for me? For old time's sake. Ooh. That's good. Um, I wonder, do you think that she would risk her reputation for you? Betting Alicia and imagining who she is in her own power, most likely not, especially since I wouldn't have anything to combat it, unless that's my own servitude, but I wouldn't want to give up the Lavelle for that. I think we're about to make the very first roll of the game right now. I think that uh, that you might be able to convince her, but I'd like to know how you plan to. So when when we come up against any kind of uncertainty, we can reach for dice. I ask you to a, a loaded question. Do you think that Alicia would be willing to wager her? I, her? Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I will say that uh, from my knowledge of the system and before you feed this to me, I'm, I'm going to say it sounds like a sway. Absolutely does. It absolutely does. Okay, so what we're going to do is you've got, uh, got your pools of dice there. I'm going to have you, you... You just told me that you think this sounds like a sway. I think that hmm. makes total, total fictional sense here. And because Alicia is a contact of yours, I'm going to give you controlled position. Uh, I'm going to say that if you can convince her here with a with a sway roll, you'll have standard effect, which means that the thing you want to happen will happen. I'm going to ask whether or not uh, you want to, you know, bargain for more dice here. You can do that with the stress that you have, uh, or you can get assistance, or you can take a devil's bargain or a lady's favor. Sorry, um, take a lady's favor to get an extra die, or you can just roll it naturally. What we're looking for are fours, fives, and sixes. All of those are successes. A four and a five introduces an additional complication, but you still might get what you want. That being said, do you have two dice in sway, right? I do have two dice in sway. Which means this is remarkably in your wheelhouse. Do you want extra dice? Because I can give them to you. Oh, you're tempting fate. Yeah, that sounds like a devil's bargain. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to go that wild immediately as to tempt Lady Luck, but... Uh, you said there was a way that I could bargain for more dice? The lady's favor means that uh, you get an extra die. That does also mean that I get to ask what would up the stakes here. I get to think to myself or ask the others at the table what they think kind of an ugly consequence that just kind of happens, an, an unforeseen wrinkle, something that uh, kind of ratchets that tension, that extra level up, and that happens regardless of whether or not you uh, you roll a success here. That's true in the fiction. So you have to say, I'm willing to take this terrible thing, or this, this thing that is uncomfortable, or this thing that is uh, in some way going to alter the fiction. It's worth an extra die for me. You know, that, that happens. There's no resisting it. There's no, uh, there's no saying no to it, because you have to agree to it. Any consequences that come from the roll are added on top of that. So you can have an extra die, but what's it worth to you? Mm. <laughs> I don't think I'll do it now, but I know myself as a player, and oh, I love rolling dice. So here's here's the lady's favor, just so you know what you're what you're leaving on the table. If you want an extra die, I'm gonna have Alicia show up at the party, and she's going to profess her love to you. Whoa! <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Magpie herself. Mm mm. She flies alone. I think I'll just try the standard roll. All right, so with uh, with those 2d6s, your highest was a six, which means that you do the thing. You do exactly what you wanted. You get exactly what you wanted. I think that, how, how, does, this, how does this look on screen? What are you, uh, are you drawing on your long history with Alicia or is this, what is this? Tell me, tell me how this looks. Uh, I would like to imagine, so I haven't described Magpie. Um, she does have, short black hair, almost pixie-ish, and she keeps one little strand of it completely white. The reason why is she likes this idea or this legend she imagined of herself, which was the last thing you see before the magpie takes you 
is a flash of white. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, she's she's tried to spread the rumor, so I don't know how big it's gotten, but it started with her in hopes that she might be uh, a little more well-known, at least. It's legend building there. But um, when, when, when you're asking for one of these Alicia specials, like, she's... She's, you can see her kind of on the edge. She's not sure entirely if she wants to stake her entire reputation, all the, all the things that she's worked for over the years at this, uh, as a diplomat. What would you say to push her over the edge? Magpie will stroll ever so casually, just one step in front of the other until she reaches her desk, pulls from her pocket a small brass tube, places it on her desk and says this will be your inkwell alright I think that she looks down and she uh, looks up at you and she says this once and no one can know they never will okay Alicia will go ahead and write you the letter and she's delivering it to, to House Corbetto ensuring that it gets there personally levying a challenge basically yes that is what I was hoping for excellent as long as you roll sixes I can't I can't hurt you um all right, so, so you've got that iron in the fire. Uh, actually, for a, for a mechanics thing, um, I guess I want to bring up, I rolled two dice, I rolled a six and a four. Um, with your system, then, it's you take the highest roll of any of the number of dice that you roll. That is correct, yeah. So any number of dice you roll, uh, we're only looking for the highest roll. I think the highest you can you can do um, over the course of the game, many, many sessions from now, you can get up to... Four dice in any uh, action rating. You can take a lady's favor, and you can t- get assistance from your uh, from your friends for a grand total of six dice. Always looking for the highest. Right. But if you roll multiple sixes, you can crit, and that always goes a little bit better. <laughs> so we'll be looking for that later on as well. So while the magpie is uh, getting this this letter signed, sealed, and delivered to House Corvetto, is there anything anybody else wants to be taken care of before the? Uh, the meat of the errand begins. We've got House Almari that we have to convince to show up, um, and we've also got uh, any, any entertainment or you know vetting anybody who's coming, getting information that we might be able to leverage later. Otherwise, we can just say that the social errand begins. How are you guys feeling? Yeah, I don't think. Hmm. I wouldn't take the initiative to do anything unless. Something was something was right in front of me, and I, I would just be content reading in a, in a corner. I'll say this to you, Sparrow. Tonight is a night where magic runs riot through Ilrian. In the Scalum Naturalis, you were a student there, were you not? Yes. So in the Scalum Naturalis, there are a number of small... I hesitate to use the word cults, but I'm going to. There are cults <laughs> that uh, have set themselves up in the Skull of Naturalis, plumbing into the ancient secrets and, and forgotten lore from the years, the bad old days, under the Dread Emperor. I want to know whether or not any of these cults ever approached you for membership. I m- most certainly, <laughs> um, without a doubt, I think Sparrow's school days were full of not-so-kosher dabblings with magic that could be considered quite borderline illicit. So she would definitely have been approached, yeah. Say no to cults, kids. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, that being the case, set me a, set me a little bit of world-building here. What happens on Spirit's Eve that is strange in the ways of magic? Like, is, is are summonings particularly, uh, particularly strong now? Are, like... Uh, you know, can you cast death curses on Spirit's Eve? Like, what what did the cult that approached you specialize in on Spirit's Eve? Oh, okay. So one of the cults that approached me that I said no to explicitly because my interest didn't align with their particular goals wanted to essentially capture the spirits uh, that would show up and then turn those spirits into living energy that they could then use for their spells, essentially disintegrating their very souls. So I think today of all Oh days, my God, yes, yes. Okay, plus one, so hard on that. Um, yes, uh, the cult that, that did this is called the Sevenfold Veils. Uh, you didn't know that at the time. They're, um, they're a big faction 
Ooh. But it's a it's a secret society within the Skull of Naturalis, and they are trying to wake the Deathless, the old Imperial War Mage who could not be killed and is instead trapped on the Necropolitan Hill in a charm-bound barrow, guarded over by a uh, ancestral order of grave diggers called the Dead Watchers. They need this energy to wake the Deathless. So that being said, what does a missive from the sevenfold veils look like um i would say that they try to be as inconspicuous as possible but also part of their whole shtick is to be blank faced so in fact their faces are actually painted completely white and they usually wear masks on top as well and they try to keep a very low profile so hooded figures always in the shadows that kind of thing some actually and we can retcon this if anyone's uncomfortable with it but some of the members in the higher echelons of this order cut off their noses so that their faces are a blank slate bringing literal meaning to the whole term blank faced and also letting them kind of disguise themselves better that's phenomenal and where does the messenger ambush you (laughs) (laughs) i did not see that coming um I would like to say that I'm just, uh, perhaps right after our initial discussion, we head off to our um, quarters. And would we have quarters in the Lavelle household or outside of it? I would say so. Yeah, I would say you have your own apartment. Yeah, so I think I would have specifically not wanting to actually particularly involve myself in the high class conversations and affairs. I would have tried to get an apartment as far away from the central area of the Lavelle household as possible. So getting there takes a while, I think, and I'm quite confident in my abilities, so I tend to take the routes that are quite a bit off the trodden path, as they say. Yeah, we want to be we want to be away, just so when we do weird stuff, we're far enough away from everybody to where they don't ask questions. You read my mind, yeah, definitely. Through random pathways that have been abandoned, hidden passageways, random holes in the shrubberies. And I think I think they must have been spying on me for quite a while because they know where I go and my regular routine. So I imagine they would have ambushed me somewhere alone in that regular pathway or near my house or... So you put your hand on the door. Do you, do you have a fairly, you know, luxurious apartment? Do you think it's, uh, it's decorated well or is this mostly just a hidden bolt hole where you can be left alone? It's quite spartan. Um, lots of books, uh, very dusty. I have, I'm allergic to dust as well, but still dusty, so it's not a very... <laughs> the requisite Nax luxuries are here. The, uh, the, the magically gifted have certain needs, and, and cleanliness may not be among them. Exactly. I understand that. Yeah. That's probably how Clemenza showed up, just unbeknownst to you, and is waiting there wearing one of these blank white masks that fits too close to, to have a nose. Like to, For a nose to be extant, they could not wear this mask. And I think that Clemenza is waiting there, his legs folded primly. He's reading through one of the grimoires that is stacked on your work table, and he snaps it shut. Ada. I immediately grab my dagger on my side and slowly, very slowly, turn around. Certainly I'm looking also for anything that I can use around to defend myself. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it, it totally makes sense that like you've got arcane implements and ritual things on, um, you know, strewn about, and it is never a bad idea to have a dagger near to hand in Ilrian. But Clemenza isn't isn't threatening you in this moment. He's just startled startled you, I'm sure, right? Definitely startled me. So I, I eventually I turn around and say, Clemenza, fancy fancy seeing you here. Quite. I bear a message. Will you hear it? Do I do I have to? Uh, because I'd rather not if I had a choice, but I don't I don't think I have a choice. Better to be surprised. Very well. I bore a warning, but you do not want to hear it. He stands. Wait, no, no, no. If, if it's a warning, um, I, I suppose I should actually hear it. Is this warning for me? For you. For yours. Oh, that's delightful. Um, that was sarcasm, by the way. I, I, I know that the veil kind of tend to miss those kinds of things, but that was sarcasm. So wh- what was this warning you spoke of? The veils will work the great work tonight. You will be visited by three apparitions. I will? You will. Are you sure about this? Because I'm not affiliated with you, and you did almost kill me three times. You realize that really tends not to have a good relationship building component in 
relationships, right? My heart breaks for you. Now that, you're learning, Clemenza. That was sarcasm. I've gotten quite good at it. I've stolen it from many. Oh, that, that doesn't, I, um, right. Okay, that, that terrifies me. That, that was not sarcasm. I'm going to leave now, unless you're going to leave before me. I was just going. For the love that I still bear you, I give you this warning. Keep your head down tonight. When the apparitions come to four, keep your head well down. Best call it an early night. I don't respond. He doesn't ask you to. He um, puts his hand on the door, and there's a smell about him. Grave dirt, incense, a little bit of something cloyingly sweet. As he puts his hand on the door, opens it, bows infinitesimally, and makes a leap. Just as he leaves, I, I call out to him and say, Clemenza, my, yes. my offer still stands, you know? You don't have to stay with them. I think, like, there's a pause, and, like, his shoulders are kind of drawn up, and his head, once again, like, kind of turns to you, and he bows again, this time a little deeper. I know. And it means the world, but the world will be mine. And he pushes the door open. <laughs> yeah, um, alone in the room now, I think Sparrow kind of takes a deep breath and mutters to herself, thank you, before frantically trying to find <laughs> as many things. I, 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 don't, I don't trust the Sevenfold Veil, even though no. Clemenza's, yeah, so I, I, I'm going to start putting wards on and just making sure that my alcove is safe. Um, after you finished the scene the whole time, I was thinking, I was like, wow, this is so powerful. And then my brain popped up and thought, you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you certainly can't pick your friend's nose. <laughs> too much. <laughs> it's just the margin of too much. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That was great. Well, if Maggie convinced the uh, Corvetto to show up to the party... I, we took a bond uh, before this started that uh, Maggie considers the Nightingale to be her competition. So it would be it would be without sportsmanship to not honor that. <laughs> so I must get the Almari to show up. Yes. Uh, otherwise, I'd be a, you know. I'd... <laughs> so how are we getting House Almari to show up, Bravo? I think I am going to go and you know, stir stir the drama pot a little bit. Um, I'm going to say that Blair, the fawning noble, is a member of House Elmari. And I'm going to take it a step further and say that we are currently courting. They're not my paramour, but we are courting. All right. Tell me about Blair. Where do we find them? Like, is this uh, in House Elmari? Do you have to meet in secret? Like, what, is, what does this look like? Um, no, I think it's, it is in House Elmari. They have sort of a, a Riyadh-style courtyard in the in the center of their, their compound. And um, you can find him there just with his feet up looking absolutely fabulous. Um, I picture him as a very sort of beautiful, androgynous sort of man. He dresses more femininely than I do. And he's just sitting there with his book. And as soon as I walk in, he's so happy to see me. But I think that any members of his household, especially the servants, there's the side eye as I walk in, because they're like, uh-oh. Does Blair wear a mask? Blair does wear a mask. So Blair was, was adopted into House Elmari. Traces his lineage back to, back to the domination, back to uh, the Age of the Dread Empire but uh, now serves a house of conquering mercenary princes who came to Ilrian and staked their claim. Um, that's interesting. How does Blair react when he sees you? Like, is he immediately up and, and crossing the courtyard? Who's he with? Because he's not alone. Oh, he has to be with a, he has to be with a cousin who despises me, just to make my life difficult. Yeah, this is cousin Jem. Jem Almari, and uh, Jem thinks that Blair is wasting his time chasing after a Bravo. No matter how interesting and how, uh, how, how you know dashing and courtly you might appear, you're still the hired help. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, ex I accept that. I can just sit, sit down and throw myself into into a chair and and immediately move into, as, as though Jem is not even present, you know that the Corvettos are going to be at the party. You, are, are you certain you can't convince your brother that, that your house should appear? 
I think uh, that, you know, Blair, who had a book, you know, kind of open on his lap and was, was reading through, and it's it's Calrayan poetry, uh, he kind of closes it, and he looks over at you, and then, like, slowly sort of, like, turns toward Jem with, like, this knowing smile on his on his lips, and, Brother Jem, do you, do you under, did you hear that? They're going to send a Corbetto attendant to go and, and, be in presence with the House Lovell. Didn't they say that they would rather be drawn, flogged, and quartered in the public square? I think Jem just like sniffs and says, lies, <laughs> slander. I am many things, but not a liar. You're many things, but not trustworthy. And he grabs the Calrayan book of poetry off of uh, Blair's lap, and Blair looks over. It's unkind, Jem. You mustn't uh, abuse her so. She's come with news. Certainly it's worth something following on. We should send the spies. The spies? Brother? Blair, we don't employ spies. Um, I'm just going to make a, a big show of like reaching over to like push some of Blair's hair back behind his ear, just to, just kind of making eye contact with Jem, um, being an intentional wedge because reasons. And then, um, yeah, I think that I'm gonna lean into it. And you didn't hear, they're going to level a challenge. If you're not present, how can you answer? Okay, so you had you had Blair's interest and Jem's utter dismissal. The moment you say challenge, Jem's eyes flash. Challenge? What sort of challenge? I imagine a duel. With whom? So who has juicy drama here that we know of in the city? What has um, the Almari done recently to cross the Corvetto? That's a good question. I think the Almari and the Corvetto right now are actually in a uh, in a little bit of a heated argument over who it is that lays proper claim to the Grand Gate, the, the big entrance to the city through which all honest trade must come. Currently, the Corvetto has it. The Almari have the strength to seize it, but not the opportunity just yet. Um, the Corvetto see that their days holding it are rapidly drawn to a close and are upset by this turn of events. So that's the juicy gossip. Yet yeah, Sari knows about your designs on the Grand Gate. You think that is going to stand? I'm here as a friend. Jem sniffs at that. Blair, you know, kind of draws a little closer. He's like, you always bring me the very best news. And I knew you'd enjoy it. Jem is uh, fit to be tied. Like, he stands. He's like, Cesare is going to be there. Do you need a bravo? Like, he's probably wearing a sword, right? Do you think he knows how to use it? You know what? I think he is a bravo. You think he is a bravo? Which is why I asked if he needs Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, he, um, he you know, grabs onto uh, the hilt of his sword almost protectively and uh, looks you up and down and he's like, No, but we thank you for your courtesy. You will tell the, that upstart, should you see him before I see him, that we will have words. And they will be, and at this point, just for drama's sake, he shows the first, like, third of, of the sword at his hip. It shall be sharp. Oh, no, I've actually already cleared the schedule for the duel. It'll be quite public. Everyone will be watching. I knew that you would not let this down. Your house is far too honorable. <laughs> okay. So, I think that uh, <laughs> the moment that Jem, like, stalks across the yard, almost like a, like a tomcat that's been dipped in whitewash, like, just all affronted dignity and just like, oh yes, I completely meant for everything to go that way. Uh, Blair like kind of leans in and he's like, you entrance me, you know? I know, and I'm gonna lean in and just like kiss his forehead and then leave. So where do you all come together to like share how the day has gone, how, uh, what are the things that you have learned in this, the gather information phase of Court of Blades? Hmm. Do we have our own like garden of betrayal that we meet in or do we have a lounge room? Are we going to be meeting once more under the, uh, the hawkish gaze of Piero de Castaño? <laughs> Probably not Piero's gaze. Um, I don't think we can meet under the bleachers. <laughs> yeah. It's been compromised. <laughs> the bleachers are compromised. We need a new location. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like the idea of like a treachery garden. Like every every good courtly intrigue story needs a treachery garden. Okay. Not the main treachery garden under the watchful eyes of Pierre, but treachery garden B, which is like the, the backup treachery garden. Yeah, the, the annex, the treachery annex. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's, there's, there's a few. <laughs> it's actually outside in a small little 
hedge area and there's a uh, bird bath in the middle. Oh, I like that. A small, oh, yes. A small yes, that's so like perfect. That a <laughs> little weathered model in the very, very center. Very, very tiny. Probably weathered gold and well patinaed at this point. It looks like the main city itself. I love that. That's that's exactly yeah. the kind of like folly that uh, that the old houses would have in their, their little treasury garden. So they could come here and discuss their plans over a scale model of the city. Um, that's so cool. I love that. All right. So everybody comes together. Um, it's probably about two o'clock in the afternoon. You've got about three hours before before the festivities kick off. And I think everybody's kind of like looking at each other fairly expectantly. So we kind of do the circle around the birdbath, keeping the birdbath in the shot. And everybody's everybody's got news, but who breaks the silence first? Shall we go youngest first? <laughs> <laughs> do you just assume that I'm the youngest? Well... Age and inexperience are rather close. Well, you're right. Well, maybe, maybe we should go wrinkles first. Gail, you're up. Obviously, that's not me. <laughs> well, I don't think the bird bath can talk, my dear. <laughs> just shooting daggers right now. Just the, the look of pure and utter contempt. And it's, it's very good natured, but it's just, it's that look. Like... One more word. One more. Well, I will go first. But uh, before I bring my news, I don't see a ring. Now do I? So somebody doesn't have great news to give us. (laughs) (laughs) Daggers. Wow, that's shade. We're supposed to be sisters. Of course. I believe in you. It's not hard to find the man's heart. Just, maybe it's harder to win it over. Between the second and third ribs, I'm well aware of where the man's heart lies. Anyways, yes, I do have news. I met with uh, an old friend of mine, and uh, she decided she would write a letter challenging the Corvetto themselves, and so... You can expect those rats to be there. Wonderful, because I knew exactly what you were up to, and I have secured the Almari, so we are set for all of the houses being in attendance. Oh, that's such delightful news. Very delightful news. I'm so sorry, but my news isn't delightful. What? It's very undelightful, in fact. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be, well, okay, not so... We may be killed tonight. I know that was already planned, but... No, no, stop. Stop, back up. Uh, uh, okay, backing up. Why will we kill tonight? Well, I, I know it, um, 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 it's a lot of... Uh, okay, so there's this group of people. Actually, I don't even know if they're still people. But they're this group of people-sized, people-shaped people. And, well, they want to kill us because we, um, well, they actually want to do something completely different, but I feel like our intentions will, you know... Sparrow. We're just going to be killed. Use your words. <laughs> We've talked about this. Sparrow looks down on her feet, shuffles a bit, and says, I know, I know. We've, on multiple occasions, yes, I, I remember. Okay, okay. And she takes a few deep breaths. Who told you this? So, this is going to... There's this group of people called the Sevenfold Veil that are very intent on killing the living and bringing the dead back to life. Technically, not really. It's more like take their energy and bring back the Dreadlord and destroy the world kind of thing. Well, take over the world. I actually don't know. A lot of them have different views about it. It's very confusing, especially when it comes to their recruitment material. Anyways, I was warned that they would be at our event tonight. How on earth did they get an invitation? Do they need an invitation? I feel like if I wasn't invited to something, I would still go. I've done that a lot of times. Things are making much more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Well... At any rate, they've been trying to wake the deathless for hundreds of years, and to no effect, I'm sure that they're not going to manage it tonight. Well... But just in case, perhaps we should 
make sure that the house is prepared. Yeah. Also, the fact is that the veil, um, no pun intended, uh, that divides the living and the dead is quite thin tonight compared to every other night that they've tried this ritual. It's kind of really worrying. I've got three daggers just strapped onto my left leg, and that's really not quite enough. (laughs) You just see, since Magpie's not about this, just being a traditionalist, you see her just roll her eyes. I'm talking very ostentatiously just <laughs> big even bending head back just ah <laughs> oh. oh, yes the death is ooh spooky scary you know you laugh at these things but they're real it is she's right you should not laugh at these things it is bad luck thank you exactly do you not believe in the deathless magma the only thing is real is ending up with coins in your pocket a bed to sleep in and food in your belly Wait, so we aren't real? (laughs) She just puts her hands over her face. (laughs) If I swore to gods, I would. (laughs) I am definitely grinning because I'm so glad (laughs) I irritated Magpie. Is that the game you run typically there, Sparrow? Or are you just trying to get a rise out of Magpie some of these times? Yeah, no, definitely. It's a given that Magpie will tease me. That's really the dynamic, but she's really good at it as well. So I definitely try to take any one-ups that I can get. That's kind of my way of saying, ha-ha, I won, kind of thing. Look how smart I am. Do you do you have like a small book where you mark with tally marks like, yes? How did you know? <laughs> And I'm just in the background fueling the fire. Well struck! <laughs> Thank you. That's enough out of you. I'm sure the Deathless will come before your wedding. <laughs> well, at least you'll be having a wedding. <laughs> and you just see Magpie just storm over to a bench and just put her hand up and just make a closing motion with it just from full open to close. Just... And tonight we prepare for one of you might die. <laughs> I love you all dearly, but oh, you test me. I think even I'm unsure if I went too far with that. So I think I just look at Nightingale with a worried glance looking for approval. No, 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 no. It was beautiful. And like, I put an arm around you and kind of bring you in close. Like, it was very, it was very beautiful. Hehe. <laughs> all right. Now, is there anything that we want to take care of uh, that is still outstanding? Anything that uh, any scenes you guys want to pitch to me before we we roll into the errand in and of itself? Would one of us want to investigate into that whole sevenfold veil plan, given that we have the time, or are we more intending to prepare for the worst case scenario at that time? I think that um, at least for my part, I'm looking at you quite expectantly in that. Um, this is your arena, the the ghosts and the gobbledygooks, and it's your job to keep me safe from all of that supernatural nonsense. I won't have any of it. That is your job. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, I think in that case, yeah, I would definitely try to find out some kind of inkling as to what's going on or as to what I should be worried about. Clemenza did tell me that I should keep my head low, but he didn't tell me from what I should be keeping my head low. That's that's completely fair. Yeah, um, I think that if you want to uh, to make a gathering information roll here, uh, just tell me how how you think that you are. Are you like leaning on contacts? Are you getting in the books real quick? Are you uh, are you channeling a familiar spirit and trying to ask questions? Like how how do we see Sparrow readying herself for the night's festivities? Yeah, I would say that given that I have some time, I would go to some arcane dealers who work in the more gray areas of legality with regards to the materials they supply. I'm hoping perhaps that there were some ritual components that they had to buy. I know that despite their power, the Sevenfold Veil do not have a monopoly on the arcane dealership. So I would probably visit one of my contacts and check with them. That makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. I, we're going to abstract this with a, with a skill roll here. Yeah. Um, as you kind of make your way through the, the various um, various arcane dealers in town, people that you've known, people that you've con- consulted with before, uh, I think that this... Do you think this is more of like a consort where you're just sort of moving amongst friends? Or is this you like... 
busting into the joint and demanding to know what's going on? Like, how do you how do you see this? It would definitely from those two choices, it would most probably be consort. I I don't want to make more enemies at the moment. If anything, it's more hey, did you hear about this? Kind of easy easy yeah, through. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense to me. Okay. Um, in that case, I'm going to ask that you make a consort in a controlled standard uh, position, and we'll see if there's fallout or anything of that nature. You're you're in a, a position where you can just gather information. I can't hurt you right now. It's just whether or not uh, I answer your questions directly or we have to work around it. Yeah, so I don't have any peps on consort. Does that mean I... Which means you'll be rolling zero dice. <laughs> yeah. You'll be rolling two dice and taking the lowest. Gotcha. Unless, and I can always offer you a lady's favor... You can push yourself and spend two stress to get a die. Um, you can say that one of these fine people came with you to help you out, and they can assist you for a single stress. But yeah, that's that's how you buy more dice, because you are not just a standard workaday citizen in Ilrian, you are a talented and canny retainer. Yeah, given my desperation, I think I will definitely go for a lady's favor. Ooh, okay. I do not think my companions at the moment are in any state of a mental state to will be willing to accompany me, so I think uh, just just the lady's favor. Okay. Uh, let's, let's see if you want to bite off on this particular lady's favor. Um, I think that the lady's favor here is you're moving in kind of unseemly circles we we have already said is that correct yeah okay being that it's in unseemly circles i think that you're going to attract attention from one of the uncouth factions they're going to see you nosing around sniffing around and somebody's going to have questions and i think that there might make an appearance at the at the feast tonight at the ball so there might be another faction that gets embroiled so we might see a criminal element tonight as well. Is that worth an extra die for you? Ooh, it is. <laughs> I, I think it is. <laughs> um, that That is not enough to, like, from Sparrow's point of view, that's not enough to kind of supersede her paranoia. Yeah, you've got to know. I, I do. You, you have to know and damn the consequences. Yeah. Uh, okay, so is that 1d6 then? That is. Cool. That's a four. Okay, so... Ooh, not bad. We got a four, which means that I can give you good information but not complete information so your question here is what exactly oh sorry (laughs) 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 what exactly is very appropriate um so i think my question would be uh something along the lines of what could i this is a bit of a convoluted question but could the question be given what you sold to the sevenfold veil what could I possibly expect? That's fair. Yeah, that's a that's a fair and accurate statement. So, uh, or a fair and accurate question. Um, I think that uh, as you're making your way through this, they're buying up all the dream lily they can. So they're basically going to be um, putting themselves, if you know what you assume of the sevenfold veil is correct, they're going to be putting themselves into almost like a fugue state Uh and drawing all of the souls that they can to themselves so that they've got all of this arcane energy. And they have to be at a confluence of ley lines to do that. And you just happen to know that there is one at the Labella state. Oh boy. That would make sense as to why I wanted to join the Labella state as well, actually. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, you're going to have a... uh, a real party on your hands, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. We're going to have a ball. Ah. <laughs> All right. The aviary is, is on the wing. So that's a lot, of, a lot of information that we have right now, which means that I get to give you extra dice based on, uh, based on all, the, all the footwork you guys have done so far. Uh, are we treating this as a social errand, or is this, um, is this sufficiently occult that we need to uh, treat it as a occult errand? Because I don't think I don't think we're assaulting anything. I don't think we're deceiving anyone. We're not uh, engaging in stealth or transport. Very social. I think so too. Okay, and I think our our detail here, because a social uh, errand requires a connection, we're servants of the house where this thing is going on. We have every right to be there. Uh, The Lavelle herself handed down this this task to us, so I think that's taken care of. I mean, we have we have connections with several major players. We have. uh, 
every right to be here. That makes entirely too much sense. And I believe we also we also took the coterie ability that gives us a bonus die to social engagements. We do have waltz, don't we? Uh, I also, I believe, have an extra one to that called a good name. So when I push myself, I can go even further. That's right, because while we're on a social errand, uh, you have a good name. You can sort and sway with an additional die if you push yourself. You get both extra die and your effect goes up. Okay, so we have an engagement roll. This is how I disclaim any kind of bias or decision-making to see how bad a situation we start off in. I'm going to give you one die just because you are talented and candy retainers of the House of Lavelle. I'm going to give you an extra die for your uh, your waltz ability. I'm going to give you yet another die for all of your excellent groundwork here. Uh, two, actually, because you have both the... Um, you're prepared for both the Alamari and Corvetto intrigue that is happening tonight, and you're prepared for the occult intrigue that is happening tonight. But I am going to take away two of those. One, because uh, there is a another intrigue that is happening tonight. And I'm going to take away another one because the um, manner in which the, uh, the occult intrigue is happening is just a little bit more than we really ferreted out. So I'm going to roll two dice for our engagement here. Are you guys okay with me rolling it or would That's somebody fair. like to roll engagement? Have at it. I get to roll so few dice in this game, so. No! Oh no! Oh, no. So our highest is a two. This is why GMs don't roll, right? That's exactly why they don't let me play anymore right there. See? <laughs> All right. We prepared. We prepared so well, and, we and it went so wrong. It's not because you are not prepared. It's not because you're, you're, you're not smart and canny retainers. It's just that sometimes things are just a little, little worse than we expect. Uh, so we open our first scene here. All right, so we start our first errand in a desperate position, and I will tell you why. I think that as we kind of get this shot over the dance floor, we hear the, the bugle kind of over the uh, the tumult of the Corvetto and the Almari houses coming to um, approach the ball. And they are stopped in the middle of the street, and there's the sound of unsheathing steel. You don't have long to get in the middle of the, what is about to turn into a riot right in front of the Lavelle Estates. <sighs> I didn't really expect this to be happening so soon. Didn't you say we... You know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's another Monday. Ah, so much fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed playing it. Please do go check out Sean's and Navi's Kickstarter. It's already funded, which is crazy awesome. So definitely check it out. The aviary, me, magpie, and nightingale totally, totally endorse it. Although magpie would probably not say it to your face. If you like what you hear, please connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at DFID underscore podcast, on Facebook at Don't Forget Your Towel Podcast, and through email at dfidpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a few dollars to spare and you've been liking what you hear, please consider donating to us on Patreon. But if you don't have a few dollars to spare, that's all good too. Just keep listening and like or review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Every single rating goes a long way to helping us increase our reach and to share the RPG love. Till next time, and keep your towels at the ready.